0: Arizona Sports, the
1: local sports
2: leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's
1: the greatest show on earth.
2: Bickley and Murata.
1: Good morning and welcome to the world. Dan
2: Bickley. Sportsman. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Spectacular.
0: Spectacular. It's the
2: greatest.
3: Bickley and Murata. I love this show. <laughs> this is the greatest show in the <laughs> history
2: of radio. It's, it's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley
3: and
0: Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning. Happy shenanigans Wednesday to all you Valley sports fans. Wake up, everybody. Huh? huh? Oh, what? Huh? Is it time for school? Especially you, Jared. <laughs> it's an ass dragon Wednesday. Yeah, it is. How about that? <laughs> yeah, right? Right? Uh, where should we begin today, Vinny? Anything on your mind today?
2: Anything uh, new, exciting, fun? No, it just it, it resonated when you said uh, shenanigans Wednesday because these are like those bonus weeks. It's a mm-hmm. Wednesday that feels like a Tuesday. Sometimes it's, it's a, right. like a Monday. Like a, like a, you feel like it's in reverse, you right. know, but you're further into the week. This, yeah. is, this is a good thing. No, no. Listen, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a yeah. big
0: fan of starting work weeks on Tuesday. Yeah. It makes the week go faster. I can't figure out Why? Why is that? It's something crazy, oh, right? We right.
2: really need yeah. to push, like, we we need to get some 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 real movement towards a four day well, work week in this country. Yeah,
0: I, I think what we need to do is, I think we need to kind of do what Trevor Lawrence did. We need for uh, team chemistry to all go to uh, to Waffle House, make a Waffle House run, mm-hmm. right? Yes. tell me twice yeah. yeah trevor lawrence did that with the jaguars after the game he had some teammates who had never been to waffle house i don't know how you could live and work in jacksonville and not be go to a waffle house really okay. think- it's
2: not like you have a lot of other options he uh <laughs> not only that did you did you hear he told the story i have, mm-hmm. I have the yeah, audio here yeah. if you want to hear okay. it okay um it wasn't just a trip to the waffle house it involved a reservation well yeah, i was talking to brandon um and I can't remember. It was Brandon Sheriff and, and someone else, uh, maybe EJ, uh, hadn't b- ever been to Wolf House in their life. So that was like a week or two ago, and I was saying. We got to go one day after the game, and then last week I told him like once we win on Sunday, we're going to Waffle House. So Marissa actually called and uh, <laughs> I talked to the Waffle House about like reserving part of it, and they were like, "Well, if you give us a heads up, we can kind of like clear some people out of one area, and yeah, and and have you guys some spots saved." So they did that, and it was great. We had like 20 guys there. Yeah, so maybe the first reservation at Waffle House. <laughs> so what's your go-to dish, Waffle House? It depends. The- uh that night i got the texas bacon cheese steak <laughs> with hash browns with cheese and a pecan waffle so it just it you, depends like yeah, so. uh, so, what look at the all wrong know, with that
0: you- sounds good to me well, everything sounds Texas good. To you, Jared. Cheese, Texas cheese, Texas bacon, cheese steak, steak and a pecan waffle. Yes, yeah, sign me up for that. The hash. Have you, I've so had we we the hash browns. Pants. Who's been to Waffle House? Yeah, I've yeah. been there. Three, all four of us. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Team Waffle House. Where, where? What, what cities were you in when you went to Waffle
2: House? Ooh, you, Atlanta, Phoenix, and Indianapolis. Garrett, uh, around here somewhere. Like Phoenix. Okay. Or, I think I was yeah, in but, Indianapolis. Okay. I was in North Carolina I,
0: I, and I walked in and it was everything you had hoped it would be. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Yes. You know don't I mean? you
1: feel safe there? Yeah. You know that the employees at the Waffle House are ready to throw hands at oh, any yeah. moment.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 it's a job requirement. Yes. Oh, yeah. Great food, great fights. Yeah, I, I love that line of questioning with Trevor Lawrence. It's like, yeah, I called for a reservation and they're like, <laughs> you do know this is Waffle House, right? We
2: we don't take reservations. But what a response. You do know this is Trevor Lawrence, right? What? Right,
1: right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right,
0: Ferris, start the Show make some waffles, Ferret.
1: The splash, splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The splash. Splash.
2: Animal. Get coming. Get coming. The Splash brought to you by Presidential Pools,
1: Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com.
2: The Arizona Cardinals introduced their new GM, Monty Austin at a press conference on Tuesday. One of Austin Ford's more resonant comments from his press conference was that the franchise will embrace a completely unified message from top to bottom and that, quote, ego will not be tolerated. Owner Michael Bidwell followed up the that uh this was an issue in 2022 after talking to players and that he chalks it up more to a lack of accountability. That was the eyebrow raiser. We're yeah, going to we're going to have some discussions yes, about we are. about that today. Yes, we are. Uh overall, um, you know, yesterday we shared our thoughts on the hiring of Austin Ford. He mm-hmm. went through the the whole media car wash yesterday. He did all the interviews. Um, I still feel, as as I did yesterday at this time, Uh, I I think this is a a pretty good hire. It's a guy who's Mm going to figure things out, but he's got a lot of experience to draw from, and he he touched on that in his press conference.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was an A-plus press conference, but it sounded like a guy for getting his first big crack at a big job and and trying very hard to say all the right things, which kind of explains the ego line we're going to be getting into in a bit. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the the hire is more important than the press conference. And the press Absolutely. conference wasn't bad, yeah. but but I do think that that yes, it, this is we have to remember that we're not looking at a general manager to be the fire and brimstone leader this team needs. That should come from the head coach. What we need from the general manager is somebody who is smart, somebody who can draft well, somebody who can build a football team. That's
2: what we need. With a consistent thread throughout, yeah, right. And with he the, talked a lot with about
0: the
3: philosophy. that yesterday.
2: Yeah, yeah. Austin Fortin and Bidwell now in the hunt for a head. coach. Coach, five openings remain in the league. The Cardinals will interview defensive coordinator Vance Joseph for the job today, but we'll reiterate it. Cardinals have also been linked to Saints head coach Sean Payton, San Francisco defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores, whom Austin Fort worked with extensively during their time together in the New England organization. Arizona also building their list of interview candidates for their head coaching vacancy. Former Indianapolis Colts uh, head coach Frank Reich will interview, according to ESPN's Dan Graziano. Reich was fired by the Colts on November 7th after going 40-33-1 and 1 in his time on the Indy sidelines over five years. Three winning seasons, two trips to the playoffs. Mm. Cardinals have also requested an interview with uh, Denver Broncos defensive coordinator Igero Ivero. Ivero uh, has been in the NFL as a Great coach name. since 2007, most recently spending last year as the defensive coordinator in Denver, part of Sean McVay's staff with the Rams that won a Super Bowl last season. Broncos defense ranked seventh in the NFL, gave up 320 yards per game despite finishing with a 5-12 and record. But still nothing on the Payton front in terms of a date for an interview. Nothing on the Ryan's front. And I don't think anything on the Flores front in terms of a date. No, and this is going to be interesting because Frank
0: Reich is a would be a very, very good hire. I think the Brian Flores thing is very intriguing based on his particular skill set. Sean Payton still is a great option, but I, I think that horse has left the barn. And we'll see. Be curious to see not only where they go with this, but how fast it happens.
2: Yeah, um, you know that box was checked, and now there seems to be this this renewed urgency. Michael Bidwill has followed what he said in his press conference following the firing of Cliff Kingsbury. It's kind of gone uh, down that down that path. Chargers not firing head coach Brandon Staley after their playoff meltdown in which they blew a twenty seven nothing lead and lost to Jacksonville on Saturday. Staley will be back. Offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi won't be, as the Chargers have fired him. Lombardi's stint with the Chargers lasted just two seasons. Quarterback coach Shane Day was also fired. Defense, uh, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson who was a head coaching candidate for the Colts, Texans, and Panthers informed those teams he's staying put in Detroit to work on Dan Campbell's staff in 2023.
0: Yeah, listen, this is these stories that are starting to come out of Detroit are, are very, very heartwarming. Dan Campbell has created a culture that people don't want to leave. Yeah. yeah no, it, it's, it's fabulous. It really, really is. And Johnson talked about, hey, I don't want to let him down. Right. <laughs> he, he said that culture in that building, everybody knows it's total love. That that Dan Campbell is looking out for the best of every man in that place. Man, what a what
2: a story that has turned out to. Be. Yeah, The Tennessee Titans also filled their general manager position. They hired Rand Carthon who served as the director of player personnel for the San Francisco 49ers the last two years. Carthon was not interviewed by the Cardinals in their GM hiring process. Coyotes losing streak is over. The Yotes down the Detroit Red Wings in a shootout to snap the skid at 9. Travis Boyd, Dylan Gunther scored a minute 10 apart in the third period to tie the game at 3 and after a scoreless overtime Nick Schmaltz and Nick Bugstad scored in the shootout for Arizona. They get two points in the standings. Yotes will host the Washington Capitals tomorrow night at Mullet Arena and a huge upset in the second round of the Australian Open as American Mackenzie McDonald ousted top seed and defending champion Rafael Nadal in straight sets. Nadal was hampered by a hip injury but it's his earliest exit from the Grand slam event since a first round exit in 2016 for mcdonald he's never been ranked higher than 48th in the world by far his biggest win on the tour i flipped on the tv when i woke up this morning they let off the 4 a.m sports center with that story yeah and repeatedly called him matthew mckenzie throughout no. the story <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's a re- one, one of the reasons why american tennis is not what it should be right now I just thought to think it's only the second time in 20 years that an American has beaten a number 1 seed in any Grand Slam. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. Uh, fourth seeded Novak Djokovic cruised in straight sets in his second-round match. Top three seeds on the women's side, Iga Swiatek, uh, American Jessica Pagula, and Anz Jabor all victorious as well. There you go. There's your splash for the shenanigans. Ask dragon Wednesday, the 18th mm-hmm. of 2023. Coming up next, Monty Fort did a lot of talking. Yeah. Yesterday, we'll go over some of the things he said that caught some uh, attention. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the ak Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
3: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Well, I, I think it, it began with my first conversation with Michael. Um, as I alluded to earlier, it was a... Easy conversation. It was a informative conversation. It was a focused conversation. Uh, I I think both of us feel an urgency to get moving in the right direction. Um, and you know, I've seen I've seen success here, and I, I've seen things that have worked, and I see a lot of the same pieces that are in place here, and a lot of opportunity for us. To move forward and get things going in the right direction knowing that there's work to be done but really from my first conversation my with michael i was immediately attracted to this job Monty
2: Osunfot, the new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, talking about the uh, most attractive parts of this job for him uh, as he takes over the football operations department from Steve Kime. and you know there was a lot of talk big throughout the press conference and, and, and people leaning on him. Monty Osunfot, kind of you know reminiscing about his time and experience with the New England Patriots and. You know, from the outside, if you're not a fan of the New England Patriots and you hear the term the Patriot way, it's kind of an eye roll. But guess what? <laughs> there's a Patriot way. And one thing that's been lacking over the past decade throughout the Cardinals, and, and Austin Ford's right, there has been success here. Especially early in the Steve Keim regime with, with when he was paired with Bruce Arians as head mm. coach. But there's just been this kind of meandering philosophy with the Cardinals for the last 10 years, and I think it really came to a head. So when you have a general manager with the experience that Monty Ossenfort has coming from New England and having that common thread, and he talked about that a lot, that can only be a bonus, but now it's got to be followed up on. Now it actually has to go from theory into reality for this organization.
0: Yeah, um, I think that I think the the long and the short of it is going to be twofold here. I think if, if you're talking about where the last culture went, Hayward, I think a lot of it, um, and again, with all due respect to Steve Kime and his health issues and his medical leave of absence um, I, I, do, I do place the preponderance of blame of everything that happened in the past five years at his desk because even though I think there's been an inordinate amount of meddling from the owner Michael Bidwell in recent years mm-hmm. um, I blame Steve Kime for a lot of that I blame Steve Kime for allowing that to happen because I do believe that when I look back on the organization and how Steve Kime rolled over the years seemed to me that making Michael happy was his job number one and it, it seems to me when I go back and I, I, I look over some of the moments in time here that have really jarred me, uh, the the rev, revelation from Cliff Kingsbury earlier this year in a press conference about how he is required, along with Vance Joseph, to watch film with Michael Bidwell. Um, I don't. I don't blame Michael for wanting to know if Cliff knew what he was doing, but I blame the general manager for allowing that to happen. If you're the GM, you need to put up a wall and say, Michael, no, no, don't go there, man. He's got better things to do at this time. Trust me, he knows what he's doing. Trust me, it's all good. There was the infamous piece of video before the NFL draft when Michael Bidwill jumps in and asks Cliff's. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, Kings, when he asks Cliff Kingsbury, "Whom do you want to draft?" And it's at that point that any self-respecting GM would have said, "Michael, no offense, that's my job." Kingsbury, mm-hmm. Cl- right? Kingsbury, him. And so again, so some of it, you know, I I've, I was very critical of of Cliff Kingsbury as a head coach and his core set, his core competencies, which were very lacking on the NFL side. I've been I've been critical of Michael Bidwell and his meddling, but I think ultimately it came down to to Steve Keim and and what he allowed it to to happen, basically to to secure his own job security over the years. Yeah. I- so that that's my personal feeling. I'm not reporting that as fact. That's my personal feeling of what went down here. So my big thing going forward, Vinny, is does Monty Asenfort, as a first-time general manager, it, did, he, did he have enough leverage? Is he smart enough? Is he wise enough to have established boundaries already as a precursor to taking this job? And I think we're going to find out a lot by who gets named head coach. With all due respect to Vance Joseph, if Vance Joseph gets this job as head coach, that might tell you that Michael Bidwell is still running the show.
2: Might tell you I, I think you're exactly right and I think you hit on a, a very valid point on the whole film watching thing we all heard that news earlier hey yeah I watch uh, I watch film with well, yeah, every Monday with Michael Bidwell and people went, wait that doesn't happen that didn't happen in previous coaching regimes and the way you phrased it too um, does that fall in the responsibility on the desk of the general manager to put those walls up you can have a common thread and a unified belief as an organization it's still that doesn't need to happen because Mm -hmm. a head coach has better things to do yeah As the owner, if you want checks and balances, you get those checks and balances on Sunday afternoons in the NFL. You can, you can very easily tell how dialed in your head coach is by what you see on the football field. Mm -hmm. So for, in preparation for a game to take time to explain that to your owner as a, as a way to maybe justify your existence as the head coach because you got a contract extension, that can't fly anymore. That, that stuff, there there needs to be that separation.
0: Yeah. And the other thing is, in most real, healthy, functioning organizations, there's a team president that acts as the liaison to the owner. Derek Hall acts as the liaison to Ken Kendrick. Mm-hmm. The team president for the Arizona Cardinals is Michael Bidwell. So the liaison to Michael Bidwill is Michael Bidwill, And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if that's the case, then your general manager better be the one putting up the guardrails. Steve Keim failed miserably at that. In my opinion, and and now what we've got here is a situation. You've got a new guy who's who's come out and he's talking tough, and he's talking accountability, and he's talking team first, and he's saying everything we want to hear. It's also everything the owner wants to hear. Yes. So I again that th- this is just something that if you if you're going to look at this objectively, and if you're going to try to say have the Cardinals fix their core root issues, this is what you got to look at.
2: I think that's definitely one of the things you have to look at. Michael Bidwell spoke yesterday, too, talked about what set,
3: uh, in his mind, Austin Ford apart from the other candidates he interviewed. But as we went through the process and the whole process, it became clear that Monty Austin Ford uh, had the combination of a well-defined vision, a work ethic, character the background and experience, and being with two great organizations, the New England Patriots as well as uh, the Tennessee Titans, in evolving roles and playing key roles in, in those organizations. And it became apparent that all of the combination of those things, that Monty was going to be the best fit for us with his well-defined vision of turning this organization around on the field and assisting us identifying the new, the, uh, our, our new head coach, which we will embark on in the matter of days.
2: Yeah, going back to what you were saying, too, about the previous regime, I'd be willing to bet, and I don't know if there's any way to quantify this or, or factualize this, but... The relationship, there wasn't an owner and a general manager closer than what Michael Bidwell and Steve Kime were during during Steve Kime's tenure. That can be a real good thing when you're winning football games. Mm-hmm. It can be a real bad thing when things go sideways. And e- things went sideways over the last year and a half. Yeah.
0: Yes and, and so I think that again now so so you've got you've got a box checked here that might also check many other boxes uh, going forward in terms of what Monty Asenford is all about there's um uh, there's research out there that shows that he's a big build the offensive line and defensive line kind of guy. That's music drafts. to a lot of people's well, ears. Yeah, and, and again, if if you were the owner and you wanted, if you wanted your new GM to say something that would go, that makes sense, that would be one thing you'd want to hear. Yes, you would want to hear. I know. Listen, I'm not drafting any inside linebackers. I'm cool. Believe me.
2: Well, and especially after a year where you know what what do people point well, to? Injuries on the offensive line. Their ideal offensive line in week one, Bick featured one Cardinals draft pick, and that was D.J. Humphrey.
0: And again, it's, it's much easier, uh, comparatively speaking, in my opinion, to kind of gauge offensive and defensive linemen coming out of college because the game speeds up for them, but not like it does for the skill players. Yeah. That's, sure. that's where the speed of the NFL really surprises people. If you're on the edges and if you're playing over the middle of the field or if you're trying to get deep. It, it, that's where you're like, whoa. Or if you think you're open in a minute later, you're not. But if you're big and strong and have great technique... So, yeah, so, so far, so good. Yeah. But there's the, the heavy lifting's yet to come.
2: Indeed. Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now, and that heavy lifting for the Cardinals now shifts gears into finding a new head coach to take over this football team. We'll get into the latest news and offer some opinion on that news next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs>
3: I do. I do see it uh, that we're going to start on it right away, and and I can confirm that we're going to be interviewing Vance Joseph. Uh, that that is scheduled, uh, and and so uh, we're going to be t- talking to Vance. And also, uh, I use the phrase uh, casting a wide net. We will be casting a wide net. We have put out some requests uh, for permission for some of the coaches that are that are in the playoffs and in, uh, with NFL teams. Uh, so we're going to cast a wide net, and I look forward to going through that process with monty by my side he's he's uh, as he said he took a master's class for every day for a number of seasons more than a decade at, at new england but also um, i think it's going to be very important
2: cardinals owner and president michael bidwell yesterday on the sense of urgency and finding a new coach here i'll just i'll get the low-hanging fruit out of the way casting a wide net can we mm-hmm. read into that that the cardinals are going after andy reid Thank you. Damn. <laughs> Thank you for that. Why, do you get to scratch that off your... No, we just we went through the entire first segment talking about Waffle House and foods without menti- mentioning the end you read, so <laughs> it's only fitting we finally got it in. Uh, since that press conference yesterday, Bick, uh, the list of candidates is growing. Frank Reich, former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, before that, offensive coordinator of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles, on Doug Peterson's staff, mm-hmm. he uh, got an interview Uh, By my count, the first completed interview in this process for the Arizona Cardinals, Vance Joseph coming up today. But we know about D'Amico Ryans. Mm -hmm. We know about Brian Flores, Igero Evero, the defensive coordinator from Denver on that list as well. So things are finally kicking into high gear for all the people that were saying, wait, why is the Cardinals candidate list so much shorter than the other teams? Now it's not. There you go. Uh, your thoughts on, on Frank Reich like, not necessarily a name that we would have considered maybe 2-3 days ago in this process, but I think a pretty intriguing name.
0: Yeah, I think he's competent. I think he's he's uh, obviously got a ton of experience. He was behind a, a really good season of Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's the fit. I don't know if personality-wise he is the fit of what they're looking for in terms of having um, m- more of a pendulum swing, defensive-minded guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm not certain if if that kind of fits. It's he's he's a very good coach. I would. I I don't think I would be upset if he landed as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals.
2: I don't think I'd be upset either. Um, the quarterback uh, connection obviously is there. A guy who played quarterback in the league, has coached quarterbacks, has been an offensive coordinator, and one of the things that defined Frank Reich's tenure in Indianapolis was. They had a new retread quarterback every single year, including this year, the year he got fired. Yet, somehow, they they navigated through that. Uh, and they had a lot of injuries on the Colts this year, too. But, I mean, they went through Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, this year Matt Ryan for part of the season before he got let go. And Jeff Saturday took mm-hmm. over. Frank Reich had a winning record under those conditions, had two playoff appearances, nearly a third. If not for a total collapse down the stretch last year, when all they needed to do was go on the road and beat Jacksonville, yeah. and they got crushed. Um, you know, is he my leading candidate? No, I think Sean Payton still should be uh, at the top of everybody's
0: list. Yeah, but I, I think I think as today is going to unfold, I think it's going to become clear that Sean Payton is no longer in Arizona's orbit. I thought Ian Rappaport earlier this morning said it's come down. to... Three teams. Cardinals are not one of them. People are identifying Denver as the front runner now for Sean Payton, which, which to me is going to go down as a missed opportunity. Unless Sean Payton was lying about what he felt about Kyler Murray, um, I, I do think there was an opportunity to get involved with this, and I think that not getting a Sean Payton um, would be not getting the A plus scenario. No matter what combination of Monty Austin Ford plus you fill in the blank, Sean Payton is still the best fit for Arizona and their individual particular needs at the moment. And and that it it doesn't seem to me like the Cardinals are ready for that um, internally to, to, to give everything to one guy and say, OK, it's your show. It, it, that's that's just the vibe that I'm getting from this. Do you think we'll ever see that with the uh, Cardinals? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is I, but but again, I don't think you necessarily have to have that to win I just think when you th- when you look at the issues that we've got here, we've got accountability we've got um, uh, discipline, we've got all that kind of stuff, lack of leadership real leadership, these are very real issues that most qualified head coaches can pretty much handle you can pretty much make these issues go away but then you fold in the Kyler Murray issue and what offense is this kid going to run for the next five years? What offense is going to be implemented to get all of this weirdness out of his game? Who is going to harness all the wild talent that he has got? That's the other element to this to this scenario here that most head coaches won't address, nor should they. But Sean Payton would. Sean Payton would mm-hmm. fix Kyler Murray overnight. In fact, Sean Payton has already told the world how he would fix Kyler Murray. He told him he he did so on Colin Coward's television show. Mm-hmm. So again, I I think what we're going to Find in the next couple of days is the Cardinals are not in the running for Sean Payton, which and and that to me that to me is a shame, but it's not necessarily a deal breaker.
2: Uh, to me, even if that's the case, this process that they're going through is fascinating because they are tied to Kyler Murray at least for the next few years, and Kyler Murray just experienced a four-year stint as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Playing in an offense that was quote-unquote tailor-made for his skill set, his knowledge base, mm-hmm. his experience level. Uh, that was the offense he's run his entire life, and we see the results. I'm, I, 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 and I've said this throughout this process. I said it when Cliff Kingsbury was still here. The curiosity of what Kyler Murray looks like after he's had to learn something new. And I hope whoever the head coach is, and whatever offense is installed from whatever coordinator, there is a real challenge put forth to Kyler Murray. All right? We did it your way. It mm-hmm. didn't work. We're doing it this way now, and this is the way it's going to be.
0: Yeah. You, you don't even have to say that first part. You don't even have to acknowledge, hey, we did it your way. You just
2: need to come in and say, this is the way yeah, we're maybe, doing it. Maybe you're right. Uh, and how much acceptance does Kyler Murray have of that? And how effective can he be? I want to see Kyler Murray under center. How well, long have we talked about those possibilities? We didn't see it this year on a consistent basis until David Blau took over the offense, for goodness sake. Oh, sakes. I know.
0: Well, it, I think a lot of it depends on if Kyler Murray is being honest about why he is playing football. If he really is this hell-bent on winning a Super Bowl, he's going to be all ears. If if he just wants to make that money and not listen to anybody and play football the way he's always been playing it, he'll keep doing it the way he's doing it. I I, I think eventually it's not going to come down to his words. It's going to Come down to his actions, yep. and, and and it always does with these guys, and and so this is this is to me what has now Frank Reich obviously is a former quarterback, but yep. he was certainly not a dual threat quarterback. No. Frank Reich was anything but. But it's, so I I think it, it, it seems to me like the Cardinals are looking for defensive minded head coach to keep a, a big degree of separation out away of from the quarterback, yet the head coach is going to lay down the law, mm-hmm. but will he'll have separation from the quarterback. So who the offensive coordinator is going to be, by definition, is going to be probably as important as the head coach when it comes to the development of Kyler Murray.
2: Here's another question for you, though. Whoever that person is that is charged with getting the most out of Kyler Murray, don't you think there's a real strong argument for not developing Kyler Murray as a dual-threat quarterback. You know he's got that experience. Kyler, we are going to concentrate on you as a pocket passer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we know you're 5'10", but... We need to fix these issues with you being able to read defenses pre-snap, with you being able to see the middle of the field and anticipating. That's the way I think it should be treated, well, whoever yeah, takes I, over. I think, I
0: think you're right on the money, and, and if I could tweak that a little bit, I would say not necessarily from the pocket, from under center. Get, move the pocket a heck of a lot more than you've been doing. Better point, se- yes. And we've seen some of that with David Blau. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to, that you begin to unlock Kyler Murray, is get him under center, but but make him feel comfortable being there, by moving the pocket, by by proving to him, dude, it's okay. You can turn your back on the defense, and you're not going to get pummeled. We got you. I mean, you will sometimes. Well, you'll get.
2: <laughs> 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 all right. I can't, I can't
3: promise you anything with Michael Parsons,
2: or I can't promise you anything there, but yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, coming up next, Phoenix Suns off until tomorrow night. The Brooklyn Nets in town, but uh, there's lots of rumblings about trades as we get closer to the deadline in the NBA. Will the Suns do anything at all? get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on this Wednesday here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona, Arizona sports, sports, the local sports leader. I mean I'm I'm baffled by it. It's something that we've talked about within the NBA circles for a long time. It's like if you can't if you're James Jones, you can't find the right trade partner, I, I understand, but you know, I I don't I don't know why you just don't try to figure something out, especially when you are I don't know, and sometimes it's like, look, if you're going to draw a line in the sand and say this is what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. You have to be willing to endure this losing streak, right? And it's something that the fan base is going to have to stomach, and something that we, as you know, analysts, you're going to have to stomach. But I, I just don't know why. I don't know where that relationship went extremely sour that you couldn't save it for the sake of what he brings from a physical toughness perspective to this team. It's
2: Jay Williams from ESPN Radio. He joins Wolf and Luke uh, weekly here mm-hmm. on Arizona Sports. That was yesterday. His visit his thoughts on the Jay Crowder situation. I think Jay Williams' thoughts uh, kind of sound like a lot of our thoughts <laughs> on the Jay Crowder situation. As we have now reached January 18th, and he's still on the Suns roster, has not put on a uniform, has not been with the team in any capacity at all this season as he awaits a trade. <clears throat> and you know, th- there's a harrowing line in a, in a piece that Bobby Marks put out uh, in his look at uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference teams, what kind of trade assets they have, what possibilities are. Um, Marks writes, the window Jones talked about is closing soon. The Suns will either trade Crowder before February 9th or buy him out after the trade deadline. That second option Wow. Could you imagine going through a whole season where after the trade deadline you're unable to unload him and you have to no. buy him out and then Jay Crowder's got carte blanche to join whatever team he wants to? I, I, I wonder about this a lot because because I wonder why is it?
0: Is it a function of an extremely, extremely soft media in Arizona that we don't have any answers to all these mysteries In our sports scene, is it a function of the way sports teams have become in terms of shielding people from the truth and not explaining situations? It seems to me back in the day that if a basketball team that was competing for a championship lost a key member under the circumstances that Jay Crowder left the Suns, that there would be a public accountability, that there would be something explanation demanded by a fan base and and an explanation delivered by the local media why hasn't that happened here?
2: It's a great question. The questions are just as loud now as they were back in you know, early October when the Suns were going to training camp and, and Jay I, Crowder I mean, tweeted not, out, I'm not going to be there. And I'm
0: not absolving us from that from that no, criticism. True. I'm not absolving us. I'm saying, is that, is that where we are in this market? Are we that soft? Is the fan base that soft that there is no demand for answers as to why this is happening? Why a basketball team that was two wins away from a championship 18 months ago is allowing this to happen or is, has allowed this to happen? Why? Uh, it, 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 it's unbelievable to me that that we've got this mystery, that we've got the Sean Kugler mystery, you've got the Steve Kime. There's mystery after mystery after mystery unsolved in the sports. Somebody market. call Robert Stack. No, I'm serious, man. It, it's it, we can laugh about this, no, but, but, it, I, I, but to me, these are these are heavy questions weighing down our organizations, and we're just we're just talking around them
2: day after day after day. I agree with you, uh, but it's a combo of things. If we were going to assign you know pieces of the pie, I think the much bigger piece of the pie is on the team's plate because yeah. the, the the these team and it's not just here in Phoenix, it's everywhere. There's a lot of obscurity of information that's going on out there uh, and that's what I'm wondering
0: about. I'm wondering if this is just sort of a uh, sign of the times kind of stuff. You know, it, and again, we talked about the pandemic and how media were kind of effectively shut out of locker rooms and clubhouses. And a lot of that access has been restored, but has it? I don't know. Hey, uh, again, so, let, OK, that, I just wanted to get that off my chest because you're right. If, if they get to the point where they're buying him out, I mean, come and You on. had an asset the whole season hey, in, in a
2: year where you need
0: help. Yes. And and you mean to tell me uh, a, a organization that prides itself on togetherness and camaraderie. Couldn't practice a little conflict resolution and repair a relationship? I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. It, it certainly
2: seems, you know, again, without the information available to us, what what could have been so bad from again a guy that they leaned on heavily and was a starter for them through 2 years of a championship run and all of a sudden in his words he's pushed out the door. I want to hear the side of the Phoenix Suns other than, you know, what has been said to this point. Mm You know, we'll we'll, we'll move when we need to when the right situation pops up. Bobby Marks in those same pieces put up a lot of, you know, trades they'd like to see. And man, my mouth was watering on some of these trades that he'd like to see. Uh, Kobe White from the Bulls to Phoenix for Cameron Payne and second round picks in 23 and 25. Would you do that? Yes. I'd do it. Um I would be shocked if Chicago would have any interest in bringing Cameron Payne back. That's the organization that smeared him publicly. You want to talk about not obscuring information. Cameron Payne after about two practices in his stint in Chicago, somebody in their front office came out and said, "Yeah, he doesn't know how to play basketball basically." So I would be I would be wow. shocked if that was the return. Uh there was a package with the Knicks uh that Bobby Marks mentioned. These are all just possibilities. Yeah, okay. Lay uh, but um also, uh, why won't this disappear now? There we go. Uh, Cam Reddish, Sfima Luke, and a 2027 second-round pick to the Suns for Jay Crowder. Cam Reddish is another guy that I've liked. Mm-hmm. And he got off to a really sto- slow start as a young player in Atlanta. That playoff run that the Hawks made when they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, that was mm-hmm. the year the Suns made the Finals. Cam Reddish was excellent in those playoffs, and he hasn't been able to find his footing. He's now in New York, hasn't been able to find a role there. I'd be willing to sign up for that, yeah, too. Yeah, that,
0: that deal doesn't do as much for me as the first one, but but I, but I it's better than nothing. Is there any others?
2: Uh, Jay Crowder to Milwaukee. I like this for, one. For Pat Connaughton and Jordan Wara. Yes. Again, you're getting zero from Jay Crowder. Yeah. He's never mm-hmm. coming back. Suns fans will remember Pat Connaughton was kind of a thorn in their sides in the NBA Finals. He was a guy who would sneak in for offensive rebounds, hit open threes. He's a smart player. He's sneakily athletic. I would do that deal as well. Yeah, Yeah, so would I. And so, uh, so can we,
0: can we, can we, like punch a button and make one of those happen, like <laughs> magically, like it has to happen. The like, easy
1: button,
2: yeah, right. Uh, another name that comes up a lot in trade talks with the Suns, although I don't think he's going anywhere, is DeAndre Ayton. He is eligible to be traded, can, just can't be traded to the Indiana Pacers after signing the offer sheet with the Pacers last summer. Jay Williams also with Wolf and Luke shared his thoughts
1: on what he's seeing currently from Da. Geez, I have, I have a lot of emotions around it. Um, I think of a guy who is extremely talented. Um, I don't know if I think of a franchise guy. And the fact that, the fact that Wolf, I would tell you, I'm not sure. Doesn't that kind of say something?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people that think that way on DA yeah. right now, too. And, and I can only read the tea leaves from, from my perspective. And earlier this week, Monty Williams makes comments about DeAndre needs to attack. He's got to stop fading. And it wasn't just like fading away for jumpers. Fading in terms of the style of his play. Yeah. Um, You know, we've seen it in in glimpses here and there, the aggressiveness, but... You were harping on, and a lot of people were harping on the fact that in that loss to Memphis the other night in 30 minutes, DeAndre Ayton had five rebounds. Five rebounds. And as Dwayne Rankin pointed out, every, every, and I didn't
0: know this, but it makes sense to me. Every, there's metrics for every rebounder about what their wingspan is, which creates a radius, which is basically basketballs you should be able to reach. Mm -hmm. DeAndre Ayton is so underachieving in that category.
2: Given his wingspan and the balls he could go up and get. Here's another issue, though. It's not when that wingspan, when he's within that wingspan and he reaches the ball, clean rebounds just don't happen a lot. And it's not just him, it's a Phoenix Suns thing. There's a lot of volleyballing of rebounds, not anything really secured on the yeah. first try. And DeAndre Ayton, I don't know. Because at times he'll make these catches and and go back to that playoff run. Oh my goodness. He was catching everything on the pick and roll. Yeah. And catching every rebound, and he's just he looks like a different player in this stretch. I can't say throughout this season, but right now he looks like a different player. And
0: it's it's mind-blowing to me because I do have to go back and remind myself that DeAndre Ayton did have that postseason where, like you said, the rebounds and the entry passes, he'd go up with one hand and so emphatically slap it with the left just to show, boom, I got this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay— yeah, man, it's it's really this is it. This is such a frustrating, uh, um, disorienting time for this basketball team. You got the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow. That will be three games from last Friday. So you basically went Friday, Monday, th- Thursday. Mm-hmm. OK, so, um, yeah, they're certain they certainly should be rested. They don't have a lot of bodies. So I'm sure
2: the attrition is, is more on them. And we circled this game on our calendars when the schedule came out for a number of different yep. reasons. Hey, it's Brooklyn. Kevin Durant's coming in. He's hurt. Kyrie Irving didn't play last night. He might not play. The Suns have nobody healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. A much different feel to this game going oh, yeah. going into it. We circled it because it was the, like, the first the game right after yeah. the DeAndre could be traded. Would yeah. Durant still be there? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, coming up next. There's one thing that will not be tolerated in the Arizona Cardinals' <laughs> new organization. We'll tell you what it is and get into the discussion. <laughs> Lollygaggers. 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 We'll get into it next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.